if like like anything else that you're going to get into, I'll blend it here. Uh, j- just go narrow and and focus. So whether you're doing houses or whether you're doing light industrial, you want to pick a smaller either geographic location. You're like I'm only doing the city, or maybe if if your houses, you may even say this neighborhood, like a couple hundred houses, or this zip code that you really like. You know, make sure that there's buyers there. Um, I like lower demographics for houses, not not like you know. Uh, rough areas, but you know, ones that are below the median home price if you're sticking with houses. Uh, but for industrial, again, just, just learn your city as much as you can. Hey, Freedom Fighters, welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Hey, hey, ADPI Nation, Kevin here. Before we start this week's show, I want to take a quick second to talk about systems. The business systems that you put in place will determine your success and your financial future. Well, I got news for you. No one teaches you these systems, not in school, and unfortunately not in the military either. That's why the ADPI team banded together to create the best and most comprehensive system that anyone out there, no matter their level, could learn from and build upon. We call it our Military Real Estate Investing Academy. Our 80 plus lesson course will take you from real estate newbie to full-fledged military real estate investor and action taker. Click the link in the show notes and use code ADAM. A-T-O-M at checkout for $300 off today. That's code Adam, A-T-O-M, for $300 off today. Now, let's start the show. All right, all right, here we go. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. We have another epic guest with us, Darren Smith. He's a military guy, and we're super excited to talk about light industrial wholesaling. We're going to talk about a little flipping. We're going to get into some conversations that we haven't had before on the show. So I'm super excited. Darren, what's going on, brother? Uh, Just great to be here, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, thanks. It's, It's an honor to have you. Kevin, what's happening, brother? What's going on in D.C. these days? Not much, man. I'm getting ready to pack up my things and go home. I got Ooh. one more. I got one more month. Skillbridge starts in uh, the end of this month and at the end of April and or early May, and then uh, we're gonna go on a little adventure, find out where we call home next. So nice. that is uh, that is exciting. So lots of yeah. things going on, but always always lots of things going on in the community as well. So it's always Fact. fun. Fact. That's it, man. Well, Darren, definitely excited to have you here, brother. Thanks again so much for joining the show. Can you tell us a little bit about your military background? And how you got started in investing? Yeah, happy to do that, Mike. Um, went back in the, I went in the military when I was 17 years old back in 1997. So I had to have my parents sign the waiver and all that. And uh, it, it was a great experience for me. I was in five and a half years. Uh, could have done the college thing, but just, you know, for me, the I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And the service was a perfect way to kind of go see the world, grow up a little bit, uh, get some 
get some experience, uh, and then figure that out. And to be perfectly honest, I don't know if it helped me figure it out because I've still changed and pivoted several times along the way. Mm. Uh, but it definitely helped me become uh, the kind of person that can, you know, work hard and get things done and work with a team. And, and uh, for that, I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, I got started in the, the real estate field uh, after the military. So I did, I did computers and satellite comms when I was in the service and continued doing computers after I got out. So got a, got a job as a government contractor. And one of my coworkers who I sat next to, uh, he was a small time flipper, had a couple of rentals, a couple of houses, uh, you know, looking back, it was, it was kind of a, I'll say small time, but, at, but it was really impressive what he was able to build. And he was building something, building a portfolio, uh, that I never, I never even would have thought of before. Like, wow, you have something that you own that pays you money without trading your hours. Like that was, it was an entirely new concept for me. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't been exposed to that before. Everybody I ever knew in my life had, it was dollars for hours and that was it. So that was the bug. I picked his brain, uh, every chance I could and read every single book under the sun. And a couple months later I bought my first, it was a live in flip was my first one. And it's, it's been a crazy adventure since there. Yeah. I love that. It, I think it's crazy that, that you hear these stories all the time. Mike and I hear them all the time, like these kind of six degrees of separation stories. Like, well, yeah, I got a work, I got a job after the military, and the guy sitting next to me in the cubicle or whatever was like into this. It, you know, whether it's oh, I saw a Facebook post, like it, something just triggers this, like this. We call it these light bulb moments, you know. And you're just looking at them, and they're like, okay, you do the same thing that I do, but you're here financially, and I'm here. Why is that? And and when you're able to connect those dots, like it's funny now, yeah, but when you're able to connect those dots, like it's kind of like nostalgic. You look back on this and you're like, wow, this one guy said this one thing that started this. Like, I don't know, Mike, what was your like one thing that started it all for you? Like if you can rewind all the way back. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I had tried a bunch of different entrepreneurial things, but really it was coming back from Japan and realizing I'm about to turn 26 years old, right? I had made some poor choices right prior to that. And I'm going into the next quarter of my life and I have nothing positive of value to bring forward, right? Like I'd saved a little bit of money, but I it was in a career that I didn't think I wanted to make a career and I knew I wanted to do something else. And I tried some other things. These didn't work for me. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that that's what kind of lit me up, man. Oh. I was like, okay, I can do this, real estate. So, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of people start with that that book. I mean, that was the book for me, but it was really my friend Ray. You know, Ray, he was like, yo, I bought my seventh house. And I was like, you're a first lieutenant. I make more money than you. This doesn't make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) I can barely pay rent. I don't get it. That's it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Darren. So so going back to your story. So uh, Army, uh, then you got out, started doing a live and flip. And then you scaled into wholesaling or, or what happened? Like, actually, can you can you break down numbers on one of these? Because I think that would be really interesting for our audience. Um, if you remember, so I, I can I can somewhat remember the numbers from that first one. I remember I bought it for I'm, I'm literally hundreds of houses later. And you're right. That sticks in my mind. I know the numbers of that first house. That, it's, uh, <laughs> it's such an impact of the experience. Power of the like, first wow, one. Yep. Yeah, it was. Uh, and, and just all the experiences of that. But I bought it for one hundred and six thousand. And this was a time that. Kind of like now, honestly, a little bit. Uh, everybody's making money if you can find something to buy. So if you can get it at a good price, the market is moving up so quickly in, in almost you know every area. 
um, that by the time I sold the property over two years later, I think it had increased another, you know, 20, 25% uh, from when I bought it. So I, I was living in it. I did a lot of the work myself. It was right around the low, low $40,000 worth of materials I put in. I mean, it was a basket case, uh, roaches and, and, you know, you name it, uh, <laughs> living in the basement, smoke bombing it. <laughs> uh, but got it done, and then I sold it for two hundred and forty-five thousand dollars two years later. Ooh. So had had a really nice profit on the first one. Um, it, it sounds like a big profit, and it was, uh, but at the same time, especially since I didn't pay taxes on it. But I would never, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't do that now by any stretch. The living in a house where you're like your bathroom's torn apart, and you know you're having to you know go to a hotel sometimes here and there to get something done. Uh, you know, a hundred trips back and forth to Lowe's all on my own. All of the flips uh, that I do at this point, honestly, I, I, I most of the time I don't even know the uh, address of the property, and and I definitely never go there and, and do any of that kind of stuff, just because it's it it's contractors, you know, it's general contractors now, mm-hmm. and and people that that handle a lot of that for you. But when you're getting started, you just roll your sleeves up, and you you, you know you knock doors, and you put signs up yourself, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, there there were some fun numbers on that. I wanted to have one one other thing that. Uh, has served me a lot through real estate, but also just kind of in life and picking things is I always try and look at somebody who's 10 years ahead of me in that thing, whatever it is, and say, man, is that what I want my life to be like? And when I was in the service, I loved the service. It was, it was fantastic. Um, but looking ahead, uh, you know, that, that 10 years, people that have been in 15, 20 years, some of them loved it. There was a lot of them that did, and it was a perfect life for them, but it was a lot of time away from family. It was a lot of time, you know, it was, it was a lot of stresses on that. And I thought, you know what, as much as I like the service, that's not the lifestyle that I want to have uh, in, in 10 years. And that was really what kind of made me decide to, I need to build some other income and do something else. And I've used that several other times uh, in, in life when picking a career. That was why I got out of doing computers uh, after a certain amount of time. And that's actually why I moved into commercial, uh, which we'll get into a little, uh, here in a little bit, because I look at people that have built really amazing businesses that work really well for them, but they have 15, 20 employees and they're doing you know, hundreds of deals a year, some of them, and these massive operations. And while you can do that and you can do it really well, uh, if you have the right people, like a COO who can, who can manage it for you, it's not the life I want to build. It's not the, it's not the business that, that I want to scale to. And so I kind of went in a different direction of some other people that I saw, Hey, they're, they're 10 years farther than me. They have just a couple of people, maybe at most, and they're able to scale this to massive numbers uh, with, with small teams. And so that was kind of why I picked the, the direction of do, getting a little bit into commercial real estate as well, along with houses. I still do do that in a big way. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. I, I love how you've really mastered that concept of leverage now, right, with your business systems. And of course, it's necessary if you're doing hundreds of homes. But you know, but even just tapping into that, and then the thought that you're looking out and saying, okay, here's where I want to be. Right now, I need to kind of systematically create my process to get there. I have to do the steps. Right, what steps can I do to get there? That's that's awesome. It's really good. Yeah. Now it's it's like reverse engineering it. You know, like um, Stephen Covey says, think with the end in mind. You know, I think that's the second uh, was it second step or or whatever um, uh, the seven steps of, of leadership. Uh, but thinking with the end in mind and looking at okay, where do I want to be at the end of this? And then reverse engineer the entire process. But then if you, you know, all along the way you're networking and you're finding people that have done it before, I can't, I can't tell you how many times Mike and I tell students or whoever, this business is not a business for innovators. 
this is a business <laughs> for <laughs> finding exactly. someone that has done it before and <laughs> and doing what they do. And there's so many of those people. So the power of networking and whether it's online, in person, whatever, just like just reaching out to someone. And I, I feel like, and I guess this is, I, might, I might be partial here, but I mean, I think Mike, you can agree with me. Like most everyone influential in the space in real estate or private equity or, you know, wherever I, I live now, I've reached out to them. No one has ever turned me away and said like, oh no, you suck. Like, I don't want to talk to you or I don't want to help you. Oh, yeah, you know, like of course it not. doesn't it, like, but there's always that fear. Like when you're starting out, you're like, oh, well, I can't be that person. Like a little bit of imposter syndrome, you know, and you're like, oh, I can't be that person. And it holds so many people back. So if there are listeners out there right now who are, who are listening to this and they're, they want to get into this and maybe they want to do it, Darren, like just reach out to Darren. We literally, at every episode, you scroll down to the show notes, there's a thing that says connect with the guest, and it's there. I mean, it's there. Just reach out to them. I don't think, Darren, I'm putting her in the spot now, I don't think you would turn anyone away. (laughs) I definitely would not. I've made those overtures where you you make that phone call and you are nervous. I still get that way. I'm still nervous as hell when I call somebody who has done, you know, big deals and things that, man, I'd love to scale that someday. And I... And the fact that they take my call and they're so gracious and then they'll go have coffee with me. And it's like, it's such a refreshing, uh, you know, surprise. I don't know why I'm so surprised because so many people have been so gracious with their time. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm of course happy to return that to anyone that I can. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That is really cool, man. You know, Darren, I, I think it's also really interesting. My dad does computers. You know, he's always been a big IT guy. Uh, he works at Greenwich Hospital. And so now he's just starting to get this bug of real estate investing as well. And so it's, it's great to kind of see you, you know, come from that world and that background, because I feel like I can share this podcast with them. So, uh, Papa, if you're listening, I'm about to share this with you. All right. So <laughs> you're like son, like father. Right now. It's like, it. it's like the reverse. He's following you now. Check that out. Hey, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to get him, trying to get him on board. So it is what it is, but he's, he's partnering with me in this, uh, in this flip that I, we've got the going on right now. So it's great. Nice. And, um, and it just shows you, it doesn't matter what field you're in. It doesn't matter what background you have. It doesn't matter what your competency level is. It's all about finding someone, right, that you can kind of mold out there, just like Kevin said, just like Darren said, and implement the steps, right? Reverse engineer it. You can do it. You can do it, guys. It's not hard. Yeah. It does take work. It, it does. does take work. Yeah, but that's it's true. Not it is hard. hard work. But it's, but it's not. not. But it's not hard work. Like, <laughs> right. to me, like, hard work is like filling sandbags and doing crap that you don't want to do. That's a good point. Work. That you don't want to do. Like, a thousand yeah. degree weather. Like, I get up in the morning and I like make phone calls and I freaking love talking to people. So it's like, this is fun. Like, this is my work now. Like I just talk to people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So I guess, I guess it's how it's perspective based. Perspective. Yeah. Good point. But okay. So, so Darren, you, 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 uh, you cleared, you know, close to a hundred K ish on that first flip. Then, then what happens? Woo. So Damn. <laughs> th- th- things got rocky from there. I, I did some other flips. I, I made some more money back in the 2000s. Uh, but like everybody else, I was, I was making money. The market was making it for you. Uh, mm-hmm. It was very competitive, but you could just buy something, hold it. I mean, I knew people that were buying new construction before the house was built, like just contracting on it and then selling the, the contract before when it was done like people were making money that way it's it's you know and you're seeing a lot of things like that now where that might be like the easiest thing (laughs) (laughs) they were doing making tens of thousands guys that is a zero cash flow move don't do that (laughs) (laughs) do not do this (laughs) it only works in a very short time in a very specific market 
Um, probably right now would actually be one of those times, but I'm not I, recommending that, by say. the way. <laughs> <Let's clarify that. laughs> um, but I did some flips, but where I got off track was, and I'm going to steal a little bit from one of my, uh, you know, kind of tips at the end, but I got really unfocused. I started doing a little bit of everything. I'm like, man, I'm going to build some rentals and do some flips. And where I really got off track was I, I got into uh, mobile home parks, which can be a great investment, not knocking the parks, but the way I did it was really wrong. I tried investing far away in a state I'd never been to. I'd never done a mobile home before. It was a class, I'll call it a class D area, you know, not even C. Mm, uh, I trusted yeah. people I shouldn't have trusted and just tried to scale in a big way um, too quickly uh, and in something I didn't have any experience with. And so I, what I what I should have done is just focused on what I was doing. If I would have just stuck with doing some flips in my local area, and I could have scaled up. It's not that I couldn't have you know grown a team and done you know done big things with that, but on on what I knew. Um, so I got hit hard in the crash. Is the bottom line. Uh, I, I end up actually that was a write off on that mobile home park. I lost over a hundred thousand dollars on that one. Jeez. And thank goodness I had my computer career to, you know, back, back me up on. I actually even, I took a little break from, from real estate for about two years, went back and got my master's and thought, well, maybe, maybe computers is, is what I should be doing. But I always had that, that desire. I really, I really had, I, you know, once you get the bug, you never lose it completely. And it wasn't long, um, two, three years later, I, I started from scratch. I started right back from scratch. I called up a, what I was, I was living in Pennsylvania at that time. I submitted my information to every wholesaler in town to receive their properties. I thought, I want to learn what's going on out there. I want to learn again. Let me like start analyzing properties. I'm going to go to showings and meet up. And lo and behold, I submitted on to one guy and he called me up like 10 minutes later. He's like, Hey, you submitted your info. What kind of property are you looking for? I was completely honest with him. I said, look, I'm just getting back into it. I flipped a bunch of houses, made a bunch of money, lost a bunch of money, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, can I, you know, what can I help? How can I help you? And I was, I was his low level assistant for about a year. I took all his phone calls. I went on all the showings. Oh, I, I did everything I could, uh, just to, to pick his brain. And he was very gracious with his time, but you know, we were helping each other. i made almost no money. I mean, I was making significant money in computers. I was making no money in real estate, but I was learning a ton. Uh, and, and I went back to my roots and then, um, wife and I, we ended up moving to Colorado uh, for her to do a fellowship and started flipping on my own out there. That was when I really started to scale my business. I took what I learned from that, built up uh, you know, the websites and hired some people, started flipping on a bigger scale and wholesaling on a bigger scale. Uh, and there were definitely many ups and downs with that. So don't think that was some smooth, easy ride out there. Uh, but that was, that was about seven or eight years ago uh, when I made that move. And uh, yeah, we, we could take it from there. But that was, that was the first investing break. And then the second, how I got, kind of got picked it back up again. So, so you're working, you're working underneath this guy and, and he, I think what you did, what you displayed there is a lot of things. We always say like the people who are successful are, they do the things that most people wouldn't do. And I guarantee you, most people probably listening to this podcast right now would not go and divert a year of their life dedicated to something that they're like not making any money to. And I bet you put in, I don't know how many hours a week. I, I mean, you were probably doing at least... I, I don't know, 20 hours a week, maybe, le I don't know. You know, uh, if you're answering calls and you're, you're doing it like on top of your job. On top of my job. Exactly. I, I had a long commute of about an hour. I was on the phone the entire time, oh, you know, I was doing that, listening to books. Uh, and then, and then when I, when I get home, I wouldn't go to my home. I would go, you know, to, to some appointment, I would go take pictures of a house. I would do whatever, whatever it took, but learn quite a bit. And I'm very thankful for the opportunity I had there.
But you put in that time though, you know, you, you carved out that time in your schedule to say, okay, where, what am I doing currently and how can I fit this other opportunity, right, for growth in here, right? I mean, I was just talking to somebody, you know, literally this morning about the same thing. You know, he's super busy. He's got his, his time regimented. He's in department head school. He's, you know, at a command. He's, he's doing this. He's doing that. He's geo-batching. And I'm like, man, well, listen, like, what do you do in your schedule? Where can you carve out like an hour to make calls, an hour to do research, right? Something. There's some little bit of motion that you can do every single day to take action. And you did that, right? And it paid out for you in the long run, even though you were busy, even though you had mm-hmm. a crazy nine to five job that was probably taking a lot of your time, you know, but you made that time to invest in yourself, to invest in your future. And here you are, right? Hundreds of properties later, crushing it in real estate, man. I love it. And I can't wait to get into like how you scaled up because uh, yeah. that's, that's going to be the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and that's where we're going to jump into now because so, so you're, you scaled up your business and you're doing this for what you said seven or eight years when, when did you make the jump i guess from from what you were doing here to this commercial because i'm very interested about your take on commercial and you kind of touched on it earlier on the why you made that jump but uh let's let's talk about the when and and more context here because i think it's really interesting happy to get into that the the commercial jump i i tried to make it about four or five years ago and and again it was i had some friends who were doing it or people just, I kind of knew one was a friend, one were just associates of them, but I looked 10 years on, I'm like, man, they are doing incredible numbers. I am killing myself. I am spending, you know, a ton of hours, all these and the competition is fierce in houses. It's still, it's even, it's fiercer than it's ever been. Yeah. And, uh, I tried to get into it, but at that time I had scaled my business in an unstable way. I'd scaled it. I had, uh, I'd hired three people. I had some VAs, but I, I wasn't the kind of person who was, um, I hadn't built myself up enough to be able to run that kind of team and manage those people. So they were good people. They, they probably would have done well, but I kind of, I, I let them run and then I took my hands off the reins and I diverted my attention. So it got a little crazy. So I actually had to take my business back over. I let everybody back uh, go. This was probably about four or five years ago, as I said, build it back up, um, was doing well again. And then very shortly after I had to move to Pennsylvania. So I realize I'm jumping around a whole a lot here, and I, I apologize. It's it's a it's just it's disjointed in my own mind. But no I had to build my team up again quickly to be able to make that move. I was in Colorado at the time. I had built a great reputation. Um, I'd probably done you know, maybe I don't know somewhere around like 75 homes at that time. I had a lot of buyers. I had a, my website was like top ranked, and I thought I could let this go. I could like just move to Pennsylvania and and start from scratch, or I can really take what I've learned get a team going and, and keep it going from across the country. And that's what I did. Uh, I, I hired a couple of people um, with, with the lessons that I'd learned from before, and they were some really good people. One of them is still with me. Uh, another one I hired a couple of months after I moved. And now everybody on my team has been with me for several years, uh, and they're doing, they're doing fantastic. I, I, I want to emphasize that. My team that I have right now is the whole reason I've been able to scale, the whole reason that I spend so little time on the residential side and I'm able to, to do so much uh, on the commercial side. Um, but you have to be the right kind of person. I don't want to say, tell people go out and hire people right now. What I would say if you're looking to hire people is hire, hire a VA part-time for some very specific things and mm. teach yourself to manage that person. So if you have limited time, you need to be the kind of person that can give clear directions, that can give feedback, that can, uh, 
you know, fire somebody that can, that can receive the reports and, and uh, from somebody, hey, your work is good, you know, or your work's not good. Here's what we got to do to improve it. And if you do that slowly, don't do what I did. I hired like three people on the same day the first time I tried that. And, and it was a, a big mistake. So I think this is probably like the fifth big mistake I've told you I've, that I've made uh, <laughs> throughout my years of investing. <laughs> but there's, there's many, many more uh, along the way. Yeah. Um, but that was, a, that was a big one. And then the, the commercial side, I really got into about three years ago back here in Pennsylvania. And I've been able to scale that. Uh, it took a long time in the beginning. Commercial is much slower than houses. Uh, it took me about a year and a half to close on my first property once I really dedicated myself to doing commercial property. And I think I was nine months under contract on that first one, just the due diligence and getting funding and all that. It, it's, a, it's a long process. Man, um, long. But I've taken those residential skills and applied them in the commercial space. And I don't, you know, I don't know of many people doing that outside of the multifamily uh, arena. Not many people are doing house type processes and marketing and systems applied to commercial uh, real estate that, that I've been able to see. I don't, I don't know that a lot of that happening. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's very little crossover I've noticed. I, I mean, multifamily is that, you know, is that bridge, but for people, you know, and, and mobile home parks a little bit too, but people in, in our circles with Mike and I, and, and we see that, you know, going kind of like that natural progression where you go from, you know, maybe you're wholesaling, then you start flipping, then you get a couple rentals and then you're like, okay, I want to scale. I want economies of scale. Let's do multifamily. But to, to do the stuff that you're doing, um, you don't really see like people going into like warehousing and stuff like that and mixed use and like, like traditional core, uh, a, a, you know, industrial kind of commercial real estate, which is something that I, I'm interested to just learn about from you. So can you, can you break down kind of that, you know, what made you stray away from multifamily maybe because you had all that housing experience and go into where you went? Is it just the, the, you saw the people that were doing it and you're like, oh, okay, I can do this. I, I saw the people, I saw the people in multifamily and there were really top players who were successful and, and are successful right now. Multifamily is a fantastic asset class for a ton of reasons. And if you are at the top of the game right now, I think you can do really well. But I mean, how many, how many multifamily podcasts are out there right now? How many uh, conferences mm -hmm. are out there for it right now? It's because it is such a good asset class. I mean, it's, it's stable. It's, uh, you know, your rent, it's very diversified. You know, you have, mm -hmm. you know, 20 tenants or hundred tenants versus one or two. So there's a lot of reasons that, uh, that it is such a, a solid class, but the competition, uh, I'm, I'm not the best person out there. I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't have a, a huge team. I'm, I'm not looking to scale in that way. And I thought, where can I go? This little less, uh, less competition for, you know, from the people that I'm used to. So there's retail, there's office and their industrial are the other three classes besides multifamily. And I didn't really have a strong sense of what the direction I wanted to head in the beginning. So I kind of dabbled in all three of them. And I, what I learned was that uh, retail can get really complicated as well on the leasing side. So I'm, I could give a whole lesson on that, but I mean, you can have, you know, lots of tenants and the, they're the structure of how they're triple nets and, and, and all that. It, it can get uh, pretty crazy, especially with restaurants. Those things apply across all the classes, but I found um, industrial really just was the one that spoke to me. It was, it was kind of the simplest. You have a shell of a warehouse or a shell of a building. A lot of times there's not as, you know, often as many like of the utilities and that type of stuff. You're going to, you're going to have big utilities, but not like separate units for each thing and all these, all these separate meetings. And then you have kind of a small office uh, space. And by the way, I'm being extremely general here. You can have industrial that is like a, 
uh, an oil production facility or, I mean, you know, massive industrials that are super complicated and, and complex. And so anything can be at, at any scale. But where I've narrowed myself into is I, I like the, the 3,000 to 50,000 square feet. Um, and I don't do anything really with like, uh, you know, chemicals or, you know, somebody who's, uh, you know, there's going to be some environmental type issues. I kind of mm-hmm. stay away from that a little bit and it just keeps that a little bit simpler. So my first warehouse was a, it was a 20,000 square foot metal building, metal roof, little 3000 square foot attached office. And, uh, it was a newer building and it was turnkey. I didn't have to get into lease negotiations or anything like that. And, and that was it. And I used my same skill set from, uh, financing on the multifamily and, and the residential side. And I applied it to the industrial, which again, I don't think uh, a lot of people have been, uh, were, were doing in that space, but I was able to, to secure a 30% uh, second from the seller of the property. It was one he'd been trying to sell for a little bit. Uh, this is actually a listed property. You know, all my marketing <laughs> hadn't even worked at that point yet. And uh, it was a listed property. He'd been trying to sell for a bit. I loved it. It was a, it was a government tenant and he, he had some other, I was able to solve his problem. I, I really listened to what is he trying to do in life? What, what's his goals? And he had some, pl- some places he really wanted to move his money to. So, so speed was not critical, but it was important to him. He wanted to get that money out so we could do something else. And I made sure that he, he got enough money out of the sale in order to do that. And then he got a, a safe, secured return uh, with a second against the property that he's still receiving money on today. Um, so again, just transitioning, I transitioned marketing and I transitioned the financing over into this and that's, that's helped me be uh, successful here as well in the industrial space. How do you become a successful military real estate investor? It starts with having a strong squad and trustworthy mortgage broker by your side. Hey guys, Kevin here. I wanted to take a quick break from the show to help you fill out your real estate investment dream team. Whether you're looking to fund your first VA house hack, close on an out-of-state turnkey investment, or just have a conversation with a lender who speaks your language, make sure you reach out to ADPI's team of qualified mortgage pros. With a full range of tailored lending options, our team is standing by to provide active duty service members, veterans, and military families just like you all the advice and resources you need to close on your first or next investment opportunity. Click the link in this episode's show notes or simply text DEAL, D-E-A-L, to 33777 to get connected today. Now, Let's get back to the show. Hey, Darren, when, when you said 30% second, what do you mean by that? So it was, and, and you can't, I couldn't do this right now because banks won't do that anymore. And it took me talking to a lot of banks to find one that would allow it. But on that first one, I went and got a 70% bank loan mm-hmm. for the first part of the property. And then a 30% second as a, a seller carry back. So I basically had two mortgages on the property, 70% and 30%. So I got into the property for just closing costs and taxes. It cost me about it will cost me about sixty thousand dollars at closing to buy a one point six five million dollar warehouse. Um, there you go. Let's so and go, cash man. <laughs> Come on. That's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> yeah, I was happy with that one for sure. So so and, and and there was a government tenant in this place and, and I'm just trying to picture this so uh, to try to provide more context for our listeners out there but like it, it's like a warehouse and maybe they're doing like some distribution and stuff and storage and maybe like it's you know they're they're you know collecting items and they're shipping them out and there's forklifts and stuff and then oh there's an attached office. So it's not like the biggest thing on on planet i mean fifty thousand square foot is big but it's not like you know whatever um and and uh trucks coming in and out and, and stuff like that but the tenant itself 
um, what was their leasing structure? Like what was their, their rent? Like you bought this thing, you know, you're in it for 1.65, uh, you know, what, what's your, what's your expenses versus what's your income? Yeah. So the property has to cash flow enough. I mean, when you're, when you're hundred percent financed on a place, that's obviously a, can be a, a risky scenario to be in what, where I like to have a minimum spread when I'm looking at a property is to have at least four points difference between what my interest rate is on my loan and the, uh, and the cap rate on the property. So a cap rate is the is the percent uh, that you return on your money for the full purchase price of the property. So really simply put, if something, let's say it's a $100,000 property, if you're earning $5,000 a year in net income at the end after all expenses, that's a 5,000 that's a, that's a 5 cap. So if you're earning $8,000 on that $100,000 property, that's an 8 cap and you go up from there. So if your interest rate is 4% you want to be at a, at a nine cap on your return on that property to make sure that you have enough, uh, enough room in there for paying your financing, uh, you know, making a profit at the end uh, and doing all that. So I, I was a little bit shy on that one. And especially for hundred percent pro- uh, finance property, it, it's not a huge cash cash flow for me. I think it's probably about maybe, maybe 25 to $30,000 a year is where it ends up on the cash flow side, but because of principal pay down, Year one, I made ninety thousand dollars on that property for for only a sixty thousand dollar investment, and that goes up every single year, you know, with with rent increases, um, you know, and and the more you pay down the principal over time, the bigger that gets as well. So, it's the ease of them as well is another reason I kind of like the industrial space. Uh, you know, I I have a property manager who's who's more of a maintenance guy for that property, does a fantastic job, and I. I just went back to the property for the first time uh, about two, three weeks ago, and I hadn't been back there since since I bought it. Um, so it's it's a very simple thing to manage. It just sits there, and you know you don't have to think about it much other than you know a couple bills come in and you auto route them on so, the computer. So what about tax benefits? Does industrial property depreciate differently than your average uh, rental real estate? Uh, it it. Industrial is the same as retail and office uh, in the uh, the depreciation the rate. I kind of broke and, up a little bit. And uh, I should know the answer to that question, but um, I I think it's I know multifamily is I, I want to say twenty seven and a half. Um, industrial office and retail I think are are longer by about ten years, but that is something nice. my accountant uh, handles yeah. for me, and I don't yeah. <laughs> remember. No, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, but that's that's just that's just really interesting because I, I wanted to see like if if that that played a little bit of a difference, which obviously there is, right? That's cool. Um, that is uh, that's a huge I, part of it though, because yeah, you have to be able to the depreciation's big. I mean, I I made ninety thousand. I literally I don't have I don't take a penny out of that thing. I mean, it just sits there. But I need to be, I still have to pay taxes on that. So I, I had about a forty five thousand dollars worth of income reported on my taxes last year that I had to pay taxes on. It would have been ninety if I didn't have that depreciation. Mm-hmm. So that was that's a, a huge factor in helping your keep your liability down there. Exactly. Yeah. And and the the stuff I, I would imagine that there's generally less competition in this type of space because it's not as quote unquote sexy as multifamily. Um, so you got that going for you too. Uh, and, and you know, oh by the way, everyone is shipping everything everywhere all the time. So plate like things need to go somewhere. So, and, and I could be way off here, Darren, but like, what's the tenant that, that, that are in these light industrial places? Like what, what, uh, what do they do? It, it's anybody, 
you could really think of. Uh, I mean, it's in this case, it's a government tenant, so they're doing you know military type stuff actually. But it is; it's just shipping stuff in and out. But it's it's last uh, last mile delivery is a, is a huge thing right now. Obviously, if anybody who's near an Amazon warehouse, yeah, there's a million square foot Amazon warehouse right there. True. But there's also a bunch of smaller warehouses from companies that deliver to and from them. There's a bunch of companies mm-hmm. that uh, maybe work for them. So one asset class I'm actually trying to buy more of, which is, is really tough to find, is what they call small bay industrial. And you have your, you have your spaces are somewhere between you know, uh, one to 3,000 square feet. And it's a bunch of spaces kind of side by side that are that are that that size. And what you find is you get like a lot of like contractors. So if you have a handyman, if you have somebody, someone installs bathrooms, someone does kitchens, someone's right. a plumber, um, those types of spaces, you know, they, they've grown out of their garage, but maybe they don't need a, a 10, 20,000 square foot building yet. You know, they don't have a big company. And it that that's uh, mirrors multifamily a little bit. So if someone's looking to make a transition um, you can, you can get bit pretty hard if you, if you start scaling up too quickly in this, I, that first building I talked about, I didn't receive a rent check on that for nine months. No, I'm sorry, seven months. And it, I eventually got paid it, but like, you know, that was, that's a big mortgage. Uh, when you're paying a five figure mortgage every month and you don't have rent coming in, uh, that, that can hurt. So if you start off with, with small Bay, that's one where now you have, you know, Multiple three, tenants. four, 10 dozen tenants in there. Um, and it, it spreads your risk out a little bit. So it's not, you know, it's not such a leap uh, as you're going forward. So if somebody's looking to make that transition that might, you know, mentally it's units, it's like doors almost, you still rent by the square foot, but it's not one big space with, you know, one, two or, you know, three large tenants in there. Yeah. That's really quick, cool. Quick, quick question. Would you consider like a sports complex? Is that considered light industrial or is that on the heavier side? Uh, that, that would be light, uh, industrial zoning on that one. So, and there is a difference between industrial zoning and light industrial zoning. That's kind of why I say the light industrial. Um, although I have, I have done industrial as well, like, and that gets more into manufacturing. Um, again, I'll deal with that if, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll broaden my horizons and, and accept something where it is getting into, you know, environmentals and things like that, where you're, you have storage tanks and stuff. But, but right now I stick with just just the regular industrial. I think they made plastics in that company. So it wasn't, wasn't that big of a deal. Sports complex would be the light industrial. In fact, one of the buildings I had, had a, had a baseball team in it. So it was a uh, light industrial. Um, Unfortunately, I did have to move them out because they, uh, I purchased that building and they were way under market and couldn't couldn't afford market rents. And I I felt really badly about that. (laughs) Hey man, it happens. You you know, (laughs) you gotta be able to, yeah, it does return. And, and yeah. I'm thinking of, of more of what you said, the small bay industrial, because my old, the old motorcycle shop I used to go to in, in the uh, DC area, they had exactly that. You would go up there and it was tenant, 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 and they all had garages and there was a little motorcycle shop, maybe, maybe 3000 square foot. Uh, but you know, they would fix the bikes and, and put them out on the street, but there was like a plumber next to them and there was like an electrician next to them. And it was just like this, yeah. you know, little place. And yeah, that's a great idea. Like I never... You just don't you just don't think about doing uh, doing those things. Um, I guess a question for you, Darren, before we jump into the bonus round is: now that you've done industrial, do you have an appetite to diversify back into multifamily? Like, what, like would you go back and like you know what? Let me try mobile home parks again because like for me personally, like when I fail at something, uh, I would I want to be like 
I'm coming back for revenge. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Oh gosh. Get after My, it. If, if you if I had to give like a, a two second answer, the answer is no. Uh, I wouldn't go back solely because uh, one, it, it is so so competitive, and uh, but that that's honestly secondary. I don't mind the competition part of it. I I like focus. I like kind of going narrow and deep. And once I've kind of learned something. I like to, to stick with that and get as good as I can with it and then incrementally grow out from there. So I started with, you know, one simple warehouse like I talked about. Now I've done, you know, a couple different other types of, of industrial properties and I'm growing my skill set here. So for me to go compete in the multifamily world right now, I, I have some friends who are big in syndication. I mean, they're doing hundreds of units per deal uh, syndicating these properties and I, uh, honestly, they just seem so much smarter than me. I'm like, I'm like, I could never do what you do. I, I and I, I, for me to go learn that whole, uh, that whole field and try and compete in that, I just that that wouldn't be my game at this point. So for now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no. I, I like what I do. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's that's a great good, answer. Man. Yeah, to each their own. You know, stay focused on it, and and I think it just kind of goes to show that no matter what your passion is, no matter what your um, your lane is right. You can be successful at real estate because it is that diverse, even for something as simple as like a sports complex. If you're a big sports fan and you know, you're listening to this and you're like, how can I combine my love for sports and real estate? Mm-hmm. Here you go. <laughs> right. Done. Yeah. Light industrial. Light Done. industrial. <laughs> so that's it. Boom. Outstanding. Uh, all right, man. man. Yeah, Darren, yeah. this has been absolutely great. And so uh, we're kind of running short on time, so we'll take you to the bonus round. We've got four questions for you. Question number one, what's your favorite book? Uh, that, that's such a, a tough question because, you know, as entrepreneurs, we've all read just, you know, a, a hundred self-help books and there there's many I could touch on that. I almost, I almost want to like blurt off a, a quick list, but I'm sure a lot of your other guests have, have hit some of those. So I'm going to go with a, a little offbeat and go, it, it's John Muir, uh, A Thousand Mile Walk to the Gulf. And I like that book. So John Muir, if uh, probably most of your guests probably haven't heard of him, but he's considered the the father of our national park system. And he was a huge outdoor uh, enthusiast. And I'm also going to tie it in with, I know your next question is, you know, you know, who's your hero? Again, I could give, give a bunch of answers to that, but he really, in a lot of ways, inspires me because he took that love of outdoors and, and adventure. And he's a guy who would just, you know, in his books, he puts a, a pack on with a piece of bread and a compass and a knife, and he'll just go off for like days or weeks, uh, you know, into the woods. And I love that adventurous spirit that he had, but more so than that, cause there's a lot of people who love the outdoors and go, go spend time, but he was able to inspire other people around his love and his passion and protect millions and millions of acres of this country and start the national park system. I mean, he convinced congressmen and presidents to jump on board and get behind his passion and his belief um, that he had to make this, make this a better country. Dang. So that's why I love about him. And, you know, it's a good intro into it. He, he wrote a, a bunch of books, but I like that one. Cause he just, yeah, he, he threw a pack on and he just said, I'm going to walk a thousand miles. And that, and that's what he did in his whole kind of bumbling uh, adventure along the way. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Dang. <laughs> that sounds inspirational as heck. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to pick that one up myself. Cause that's cool. 
I walked to the Navy Yard today and I was like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) Actually, I took the Metro home, so (laughs) I didn't even walk there. (laughs) Hard pass, man. (laughs) That is crazy, man. Oh, all right. And it sounds like you stole Kevin's thunder here in the next question. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, Let's let's go to we'll jump to the third one, Mike. Jump to the third one. Yeah. What do you like to do for fun? Uh, but uh, again, bunch of answers to that one. But uh, the thing I've really been into the last year is electric skateboarding, and I bought a, a one wheel. So it's a it's a skateboard, and all it has is one big fat tire in the middle, and uh, it'll do almost twenty mile an hour and go almost twenty what? miles if you're going flat. I've seen it, these it, things; they're all over the city, and I want God. one. And you got to wear like the elbow pads and like the the helmet oh, and the whole thing. So, so I I. Uh, I I probably shouldn't tell this because I probably have a lot of my my private lenders might be listening to this uh, and they don't want me to get you know to die. But uh, I don't wear my safety gear as much as I should. <laughs> um, but if I, if you're if somebody's going to go look, check this out, buy your safety gear first because you're going to get out of the box. And I guarantee I, I did a I did a Superman into a muddy flower bed in like the first ten seconds. <laughs> And I'm thankful it was the flower bed because if that would have been the road, oh, I would have been. Dude, that would be totally me, man. I would bust my ass so bad on one of those. I think that's why I don't. I stay away from this thing. But guys, remember the hoverboard? Remember when those were a thing? Like the hoverboard's the thing that it was like the electric, like the best Christmas gift of, you know, maybe three, four or five years ago. It's like, you know, that thing and you lean forward and it kind of like, you know, yeah. I had oh, one of those. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought it was a good idea after a night of drinking to say, I can do this. That <laughs> oh, was involved, yeah. Oh. That was a terrible idea. <laughs> I like went in like three circles real fast and fell over. <laughs> yeah. So safety gear first. I, I, yes. I really, if anybody's right. thinking of buying one, order the safety gear first. When it arrives, then order your one wheel because you will get the one wheel and you will you will bust yourself. But I, I've ridden, uh, I think I'm approaching a thousand miles on that thing now. And I... I go off roading. I mean, I go on trails. Walk on your dog. It's phenomenal for that if you have a high energy dog, because man, you can just take off and you don't. Your thousand mile walk, as long as you have a charging station every twenty miles, you could do it because you you just take your one wheel yeah, and go. There you go. Right, there right, you right, go. Right, right, right to right. the goal. <laughs> thousand mile. Yeah, I have three already. <laughs> Electric. Sca- so that's what is that what it's actually called though? Well, it's called one, a one wheel. One wheel, and I I need to get a hold of them because I have three confirmed people who have bought them just because of my reference already so this podcast is you want an affiliation I, I, I need a, a referral fee yeah here i was here i was about to say hey so buy our little amazon affiliate link here one wheel drop to the thing. <laughs> yes <laughs> drop that but in. it's gonna go to darren <laughs> No, 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 no. Put it, put it for you guys. Uh, so support the podcast. Yeah. Put, put the one wheel affiliate we'll, for we'll us. Split it. We'll, I might we'll actually split it. That's it. Yeah, we'll split it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh my Definitely. God. That's funny. Uh, okay. Priceless. All right. All right. Um, so besides, uh, besides getting safety gear before buying your one wheel, I want to ask you three other nuggets of wisdom that you would share with beginner real estate investors, Darren, uh, maybe someone listening to this podcast who, uh, who might kind of be thinking about this light industrial, you know, you kind of bring up something that we really, really, truly don't talk about. So if someone was uh, just getting started in this field, in this light industrial field, what are some three nuggets that you could give them? All right. Well, you, you switched the question up on me a little bit, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to to pivot. I was thinking general tip uh, topics, but if 
if like like anything else that you're going to get into, I'll blend it here. Uh, j- just go narrow and and focus. So whether you're doing houses or whether you're doing light industrial, you want to pick a smaller either geographic location. You're like I'm only doing the city, or maybe if if your houses, you may even say this neighborhood, like a couple hundred houses, or this zip code that you really like. You know, make sure that there's buyers there. Um, I like lower demographics for houses, not not like you know. Uh, rough areas, but you know, ones that are below the median home price if you're sticking with houses. Uh, but for industrial, again, just, just learn your city as much as you can. Um, if you're, if you want to get into warehouses, you know, drive around, see what's out there and call the, like write down the, the signs of the, the broker signs, you know, and just be honest with people. I, I've never gotten anywhere by trying to, you know, BS my way and, oh, I'm doing all this stuff. Like, no, just tell them what you're doing. Hey, I've, I've flipped a couple of houses. I really want to get into industrial. I want to, I want to buy it, you know, looking to build my buy and hold portfolio and just talk to them and you will find people. Um, some will, some will put you off and you, they won't talk to you, but a lot of them will. So that would be my tip. Go, go narrow and focus on a small area. And then I would carry that over to your marketing as well. If you're trying to market, whether it's the houses or light industrial, these are all mistakes I've made too many times to count, which is why I'm emphasizing them. Don't go in like five different channels at once. Don't say, I'm going to build my SEO on my website and I'm going to mail postcards and I'm going to start cold calling and I'm going to do all this. Like, no, pick one and get really good at it uh, and you know, master that. And once you started making money, then you can carry it on. Mm-hmm. And I'll piggyback that just a hair and say, your data is critical when you're doing this. So I would start with something where you're you're getting good at your data first so that as you're marketing into all these channels, you're hitting the most important people. We use a, a website called REI Sift. That's how we manage our, our data for marketing. And we put all our lists in there and it helps us stack it and, and prioritize it. Um, but just get good at that as well. That way, you know, you're doing your one channel to the, the top uh, properties that you can be targeting at that time. Yeah. No, that's, that's really, those are some really good tips. And I can hear Mike is writing that down right now. So if you're out there listening that's and it. you have the capability to write it down, REI SIFT, S-I-F-T, write that down. Yeah, uh, Darren Smith, man, six-year Army veteran and turned prolific house flipper and wholesaler turned light industrial commercial real estate investor. I love your story, man. And uh, uh, I, I just want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been a l- ton of fun. So thank you for, for your time and, uh, and sharing your expertise with us. And now I got to go get one of those one wheels. That's how it's going down. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and <laughs> safety gear, Kev. Well, gear. I have safety the motorcycle gear, gear but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hand guards. Uh, yeah, I, know, I don't want to close out with hand guards, but we're going to close guards. out with hand guards. <laughs> that's Seriously. Close out. Final comments, hand guards. <laughs> yeah. That's critical. That's, that's yeah. so true, yeah. though. I, I probably have so many yeah. scars on my hands from a little being a little kid and doing all that Just stuff. falling on so, your yeah. face, yeah. Right? Yeah. Totally. Kevin and Mike, thank you so much for having me on. I, I really enjoyed this. And uh, and if anybody wants to reach out, yeah, I'd, I'd love to help anybody. With yeah. That. So how, how can our listeners reach out to you, Darren? Uh, best way to get a hold of me is uh, our my house buying business in Colorado is sell my house to smith.com. And so they can reach me at Darren, D A R R E N, at sellmyhousetosmith.com. Shoot me an email and I'd be happy to uh, help you in any way I can. Outstanding. Awesome. Love it. Uh, All right. You hear you heard it here first, guys. Uh, Get in touch with Darren. Do that. We say it all the time. Get in touch with the guest. He wants to talk to you. You want to talk to him. That's all you got to do. That's why you listen to this podcast, right? You're listening to this podcast to learn something and connect and network with others. So take action and go and do it. Um, 
thanks thanks again darren for coming on this is a lot of fun man my pleasure thank you again all right see you outstanding that was an awesome episode thanks so much to our special guests and thanks to you for listening if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet make sure you go and do that or schedule a call with us by texting ADPI to 444-999 or checking out our website at www.activedutypassiveincome.com to find out how you can get started on your financial freedom journey today. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>